new community. When we stand in a space of fear and worry, God invites us to step into faith. When we stand near the world's pain and need, Jesus invites us to step into humble dependence. When we stand at the edge of hunger and thirst, the Spirit invites us to join the table of grace. Whatever space you find yourself in, we invite you into faith, humble dependence, and grace. Amen. Our scripture reading today is from selected verses from James 4, 7-10 and Hebrews 11:6. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Draw near to God and He will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands and purify your hearts. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and He will exalt you. And without faith it is impossible to please God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who seek Him. Jesus invites everyone to the table. The table is a place of gathering. You are welcomed, wanted, loved. At the table there is a place setting for you. So come, all who hunger for the bread of life, all who are poor and without food or home, all whose souls cry out for healing, all who are weary, all who are hunched over with worry, all who ache with loneliness, all who search for meaning or have no place of belonging, all who feel disconnected, all who virtually connect yet feel empty, all who are struggling to find a new cadence to life or any cadence at all, Jesus invites you. Draw near to him with faith. Receive his invitation. Sit at the table and eat with him. Allow a spirit of worship to come over you. We do this in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. In prayer, let us confess to God as a community. Father, you invite us into your divine rest. Instead, we cling to control and trust our worries more than your word. Father, you invite us into your divine peace. Instead, we fill our minds, homes, and relationships with stress. Father, you invite us to take your yoke. Instead, we prefer being tied to our burdens and carrying our ideologies. We refuse the easy load you promise. Father, forgive us. Jesus, you invite us in the gospel to find rest for our souls in you. Christ, forgive us. Spirit, you fill our hearts with divine grace and offer us the peace of Christ. Spirit of God, have mercy on us. Help us in our unbelief. We pray in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Good morning, new community. This week marks the start of a new series. We're putting the current series of Colossians on hold 
and entering into a series focused on practicing the presence of God. Now, the idea behind this is to help us find God in the mundane or to experience God in the midst of the ordinary, to somehow be a community that is attentive to the Spirit moving among us. Now, the title, Practicing the Presence of God, is taken from a book written by Brother Lawrence. For those of you not familiar with Brother Lawrence, he was born in 1614, and he served as a Carmelite, um, in a Carmelite monastery in Paris, France. And he wrote with this deep wisdom that uh, was profound for his age. And uh, what he wrote about <clears throat> is the, what it means to experience God in the midst of the ordinary, to find God in the mundane. And Brother Lawrence says this when speaking of God. He does not ask much of us, merely a thought of him from time to time. A little act of adoration sometimes to ask for his grace, sometimes to offer him our sufferings, at other times to thank him for the graces past and present he has bestowed on you in the midst of your troubles to take solace in him as often as you can. The least little remembrance will always be the most pleasing to him. One need not cry very loudly. He is nearer to us than we think. For God is nearer to us than we think. We've talked a lot in the past about God's desire for relationship, that he created us for relationship. He longs to be in conversation and closeness with us. In fact, <clears throat> the creation narrative is a story of God's making his home with us. In day seven, that culminating day, is a day of him filling the new space in which he would dwell together with us. Stories all throughout the Bible speak to his longing to tabernacle with us or to be fully present with us. It is as if the whole Bible is a story of God's continual pursuit of intimacy with us. And this reminded me of a story in Acts 2. Now, Acts 2 marks the day of Pentecost. It is the counter story to the Old Testament Tower of Babel. See, in Genesis, man is looking to be independent of God and is thrown into confusion. And while at Pentecost, what we have is a reversal. Separation and confusion are countered with gathering and understanding. And it is in this story that I was reminded again of what it might look like to draw near to God. We hear in the book of James that if we draw near to God, he will draw near to us. We hear that as the branches, we are to abide in the vine. What might, what might that experience really look like? If drawing near was our orientation, what would it look like to become more aware of his presence? What might our community, new community, look like if we kept ourselves open and receptive to the wild promptings of the Holy Spirit? I want you to turn to Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 21, and I'm going to give you a moment to get there. And as you're grabbing your Bible, as you're turning to that particular passage, my hope is to use this passage to give us some ways to think about what it means to draw near to God. And I want, to, I want us to consider the uniqueness of the presence of God. 
So throughout our time, I'll pause to offer some questions for you to consider as an individual or to discuss as a small group. Again, we'll be reading out of Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 21. Feel free to follow along, or you can just hit pause, read it yourself, fast forward for a little bit, and uh, pick up with the end of the passage. Acts 2, 1 to 21. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound the multitude came together, and they were bewildered, because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them. Men of Judah and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood. Before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Acts 2, 1 through 21. Drawing near to God or being open to the Spirit or being consistently aware of God's presence, the question is, what might that look like? And I want to suggest that it looks like a few things. First, it might look like waiting in anticipation. In chapter one, you have this command from God, and the command is wait. The text says, and while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. Acts 1 verse 4. Now, 500 people received the command to wait. 500 people were told by Jesus, approximately 500, were told to wait for the promise of the Father. And we get to Acts chapter 2, and 120 are doing the waiting. Which means, and I'm not good at math, but somewhere between 75 to 80% of the believers, 75 to 80% of the people that Jesus expressed this command to, they ignored it. 
They were told to wait, and yet they didn't. Now, this might be one of the first clues. Perhaps it is in, it is in the waiting that many give up the pursuit. To truly draw near to God, to truly know God, perhaps it is in the waiting that many give up the pursuit. Let me give you a few questions for consideration. When was the last time you set aside all distractions to wait and listen for the voice of God? What causes you or others to become impatient when waiting? I would encourage you to think on those questions or discuss them as a small group. The text goes on to say, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. 120 were waiting, but it wasn't just this bored, kind of twiddle your thumbs waiting. It was an active waiting, waiting with anticipation, waiting in order to be prepared. Now they were told to wait for a promise. They were instructed to anticipate something. What's interesting is throughout the teachings of Jesus is this idea that those who hunger will be satisfied, that those in, that anticipate or long for something will be filled. You hear things like, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Or as a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. There's something about seekers, pursuers, thirsty ones who get his attention. Look at people with Jesus in the New Testament. They would walk for miles to see him. They would fight through crowds to touch him. They were desperate to hear a word from him. They had an appetite, a thirst, a hunger for God. And this might be a second clue of what it means to practice the presence of God. Perhaps it is the seekers, the pursuers, and the thirsty ones who get his attention. It is those most eager to find that actually do. There's a couple more questions for consideration. How might we cultivate a hunger or thirst for God? Who is someone you know that pursues God with abandon that you could ask for wisdom? The text goes on to say, and divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Later on in the passage, it says, And in the last days it shall be, God declares that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Drawing near to God might look like being filled. The picture in the passage is of every believer becoming a burning bush. Or the presence of God that was once fatal comes on everyone and rests upon them. It's described as a filling. Now again, scripture often speaks of a filling that we're filled with wisdom and faith and joy. 
or we're filled with grace and power or wisdom and revelation or the knowledge of his will. Think of it more like a sponge. Filling assumes that there's this space in which the spirit of God occupies, that we become saturated with the spirit and are filled with the essence of God. But often when people think about practicing the presence of God, they think of the external, the things outside of ourselves that might reveal God. Maybe it's circumstances or the outcome of a situation. Perhaps it's a sign that feels as if it's a revelation from God. But the expectation is that the external fills the internal. But what if Pentecost is more about what is happening within us than what is happening around us? Might this be the third clue? Perhaps having an awareness of God is an internal reality and not just an external experience. Take a moment and consider these questions. What do you personally do to create space or posture yourself to be filled by God? When you feel empty and in need of filling, what substitute fillers, such as noise or busyness, social media, consuming food, spending money, which of those do you use to fill that gnawing space instead of filling it with God? Now the text goes on to say again, And at this sound the multitude came together, and they were bewildered. Experiencing the presence of God might actually create more questions than answers. Now, religious people tend to want neat, tidy answers. We want clearly defined boundaries, the ability to explain God or define him. You could say we want limits to our God. Madeline Lee Ingle says, We try to be too reasonable about what we believe. What I believe is not reasonable at all. God's drawing near at times brings questions rather than answers. If you look at Acts 2, the Spirit's arrival caused everyone to have questions. They ask, what does this mean? Are these not Galileans? How is it that we hear them in native language? There seemed to be an utter confusion. The Spirit was moving and breathing. The presence of God was fully there, but it seemed to create unpredictability, not certainty. It seemed to create this awareness of God and yet perhaps confusion, more questions than answers. But perhaps this also can teach us something about faith. And this might be the fourth clue. If there is confusion, uncertainty, more questions than answers, more necessity for faith than certainty, then perhaps we're right where the Spirit wants us to be. Here's a few more questions for consideration. When wanting to know or experience God, do you tend to desire certainty or faith? And why? Are these realities mutually exclusive? And if not, how would you explain the tension they create? The text goes on to say, 
that in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your old men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. Drawing near and experiencing God might look like God speaking through others. When the Spirit is upon someone, the text says we will see people prophesy. Who? The text says all people. No qualifications needed, no status. The Spirit's movement in lives of others is not a respecter of age or race or economics. Jesus is, in fact, highlighting the unqualified or the overlooked. As Peter is saying this, he says, it's the young and the old, it's women, it's daughters, it's servants or those of low class. All of these will prophesy. All of these will see visions and dream dreams. Now notice, all three revelations of the Spirit carry a common theme. They are all gifts where God speaks directly to people through other people. Has that happened to you? Where God speaks directly to you through other people. He speaks through his word. He speaks in promptings and dreams, but he also speaks through people. He pours the Spirit into us that we might pour the Spirit out onto others. We receive the filling of the Spirit, not just to be full ourselves, but to fill other people, to pour out. Perhaps one of the ways we most experience God is through the experience of the other, through our brothers and sisters. This might, in fact, be a fifth clue that God uses his people to speak to his people so that we might consistently hear from him. There's a couple other questions for consideration. Give an example of a time that you felt God spoke directly to you through someone else. How can we experience this reality more as a community? What keeps you from sharing with others what God might be prompting you to share. I want to close by just inviting an awareness of the Spirit. If we are open and attentive to the movement of God, I'm convinced over this next season of time that we will have so many stories of how God showed up. So I invite you to ask the Holy Spirit to come, to invite the Spirit into your space. Invite the Spirit to breathe new life into your heart, to breathe new boldness, to breathe courage and words of holy affirmation, to breathe healing and fresh grace, to breathe new life into the church, to breathe justice into our city, to breathe reconciliation, to breathe peace and wholeness into your week ahead. And I leave you with this benediction.
Let me leave you with this benediction. New community, may we know we are loved by God, and may we find creative ways to love others as Christ has loved us. May we truly know this week that we are connected in community with all who follow the way of Jesus. May God's love embrace us, Jesus' words embolden us, and the Holy Spirit's presence enliven us today and always. We pray this in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.